0: So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete, perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast, and unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week to give you the giant box of wellness crayons, not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. So the host of today's episode, I met through Vanessa, my partner. And uh, she's disclosed this on her podcast and social media. So I will as well. These were the catalysts in her life earlier. So Ashley was her therapist and she also did sessions with Ashley's husband, Lair. So I thought it was interesting to bring them on as host slash contributors because uh, she they were just such a powerful part of Vanessa's story and I know they will be for you, for you as well. Okay, Larry Torrent is the author of the book, The Practice of Love, Break Old Patterns, Rebuild Trust and Create a Connection That Lasts. He is a leading marriage family therapist and a mindfulness-based relationship therapist. A daily OM bestselling author and a contributing columnist at Inc.com. He has been resourced and interviewed by such notable news outlets and publications as NPR, Rolling Stone, The New York Times, and a host of podcasts and radio shows. He is the co-host of the Not Your Mama's Therapy podcast and can be found on Instagram at LairTorrent, T-O-R-R-E-N-T, Holistic Therapist. And his wife, Ashley Torrent, is a psycho-spiritual therapist, intuitive medium, and spiritual teacher. She sees both individual and couples offers intuitive readings teaches classes in spiritual mediumship and is a co-host of the butterfly effect podcast I'm sorry the blue butterfly effect podcast which aims to ground spirituality and explore personal transformation Ashley believes that as spiritual beings we are all mediums channels and energy healers but have forgotten our true nature and how to use these innate gifts She also believes Based on her personal experience as a complex trauma survivor and practitioner, practitioner that true healing occurs when we, we weave together psychological understanding and spiritual practice. She can be found on Instagram at Ashley Torrent, T-O-R-R-E-N-T, 29. I hope you enjoy this episode with Lair and Ashley.
1: Well, hey everybody, and welcome to the Single On Purpose podcast. Today, your hosts in the ever revolving carousel of hosts for Single on Purpose are myself, Lyra Torrent, licensed marriage and family therapist, and my lovely wife, Ashley Torrent, also a therapist and a medium. That's right. She talks to dead people in her spare time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yes. outside noise. Uh, we are also the hosts of the uh, podcast called The Practice of Love, and you can see the book back there on the wall. Today, what are we talking about, Ash?
2: We are talking about competition, comparison, and our inner genius.
1: That's right. Competition, comparison, and our inner genius. I think competition is inherent, endemic. It's part of our culture. Um, certainly as a capitalistic culture, uh, we are taught that to compete um, for everything um, with everyone is a good thing. <laughs> And I think today, what we may find out that competition at large may not always be the best, and comparison might not always be the best. And I know that that's sort of sacrilege in our Americanized culture, um, where we're taught to compete for everything, including with our partners. Dovetail and cover some of that, but let's go ahead and jump into the idea of of of, of com- competition comparison. What are your
2: thoughts? Well you know, I thought we should start with competition because you really spoke to this in your book and you believe there is no competition really. And so I thought it might be good for you to flesh out where you came across that idea. Cause it really gave me a, a pause to think about.
1: Well, I, I feel like there is competition to be, but I don't think it should be there. Certainly not between right. partners. Right. And that's, If there is any level of competition, um, whether you are fighting for the victim position in in your relationship or you're fighting to win an argument, um, the idea is that in order for there to be a victor, there of course must be a victim or someone who's been uh, vanquished is what I said in the book. And that does not breed warm and loving feelings. And if partners are in constant competition, if they're constantly vying for whatever it might be between them, then the energy between you is ultimately not going to be a connected and loving one. And if mm-hmm. we're not careful, that can get away from us. But I think we're also gonna be talking about um, comparison and competition broadly as we experience it as single people as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I think um, one of the things that someone asked me when you were writing your book, and again, mm-hmm. I share this even if you're not in a relationship, but I think it's important if, whether you're in a friendship or a partnership, Um, a friend of mine who knows that I write asked me if I was jealous of your book deal. And my response was like, no. And she was like, how can you not be jealous of a book deal? And she's a writer as well. And I said, well, he hasn't done the work. I haven't done the work. You know, I didn't write the book proposal. I didn't sit down and write the book. You know, I didn't approach an agent or a publisher. So for me, there wasn't anything to be jealous of. You know, I was really more than anything excited for you. Um, And I think This is something that I notice in my clients, I've seen it in myself as well, that when someone has a success, even though I wasn't like this for you in that moment, but when someone has success or is doing something that maybe you long to do, or maybe living a life that looks better for you, and we see this so often in social media, you you see the best version of people on social media, not the version they want you to see, it's a curated vision. But I think what we automatically often go to is the deficit within ourselves, that we're not enough, we're not doing enough, we're maybe a loser. I mean, I noticed so many people go on social media and they come out just feeling so low because they've gone through um, so many different pictures and um, posts about other people. And one of the things I think is important to remember that everything you see creates a feeling in you. Mm-hmm. And a thought, and thoughts create feelings. So everything you see creates a reaction, and before you know it, you've been scrolling for fifteen minutes. Sometimes people go on for an hour. You've ridden a roller coaster of emotions, and I know a lot of people come out of that um, feeling just discombobulated.
1: Well, I think that the, doing the social media scroll can, if we're not if we're not mindfully going into that social media scroll and looking at what other people are say they're doing, um, again, like you said, probably putting a spit shine on it. That, um, very often what we don't understand is we're building perhaps a narrative. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage people that if you're going to go in, know what you're going in to get and that you may come out with not a great feeling about yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to be very, very aware of, of how you interact with social media or not just social media, but, you know, when you hear of people getting things and doing things that you want to get and do. Right. Um, I think it's human nature to go to that place of deficit and, Oh, what about me? And, um, what I think we find is that there is a, there is a, 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 a part of competition that can catapult us, that can push us into, well, if I want, if I want those things that I need to double down, work harder, do those things. And perhaps some of that is good, mm-hmm. but by it's and
0: large,
1: and it can be a great motivator. Yeah. Um, But if you fall into or slide over from motivation to um, uh, maybe um, taking yourself apart or or judging yourself harshly, um, then that's obviously going to steal so much uh, of of that zeal to go and get that thing. And and you're going to start forming a narrative about yourself, about how you're not enough.
2: Yeah. And you'll collapse under it. I mean, the weight of it can make someone collapse. And, you know, the thing I've learned a lot this year as someone who and I'm using social media as an example, because it's just right at our fingertips. And so many people are on it for many different reasons. But I wasn't on social media till a little over a year ago. And um, getting into it for my work was shocking. You know, I had dipped in, but, you know, me, you were like, I was never on it. And I was very peaceful. I was so peaceful.
1: You were much more peaceful then.
2: (laughs) But um, I got into it for work and and wanting to connect with people and also to promote, you know, classes and things that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And what I found is um, I started to forget about my own process. I started to feel that I was behind looking at my age. I'm behind. I'm not doing enough, seeing how often people post. I started comparing myself to those people. And what I forgot is, what'd you say?
1: How few followers I have. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, all of it. And what I forgot is that I am an individual Mm -hmm. with my own way of moving through the world. Um, I move at my own pace. I'm very introverted. But during this time, I wasn't taking any of those things into account i wasn't being compassionate with myself i was getting kind of caught up in cuz i can go into self-criticism very easily so i wasn't enough wasn't enough wasn't enough um and what i've came to remember a year later was that like we're all on our own path and we have to navigate these things what feels natural to us and if it doesn't feel natural to us then the energy behind whatever we're doing isn't going to be authentic we're not going to be producing things that um feel in line with who we are and maybe sometimes in integrity. Mm -hmm. So I've really come to appreciate that. I remember seeing this post the other day, this woman said, if you see something that someone else has or something's doing rather than go to competition or comparison, maybe say, thank you. Thank you for showing me what's possible. And I just love that. I I really love that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash
0: tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and as I wrote in the book, and talking about not just, you know, couples who compete with one another, which I think can be, as I said, you know, um, not a very healthy practice for um, a partnership, but as we begin to look and quite naturally and uh, compare ourselves to other people. And so I have a lot of, um, as you know, I have a lot of like Broadway dancers uh, and my practice, I have a lot of performers and there's a ton of competition uh, within the the field of performing, everyone's sort of trying to outgun, it's a big pissing contest really. And for those people who come to me, who are having a difficult time booking jobs and, uh, having a difficult, difficult time, um, uh, you know, in in their career, the first thing I ask them is, are you looking to your left and to your right when you're dancing? And I'm like, what Mm -hmm. do you mean? Are you looking to your left and looking to your right, comparing yourself to the dancer next to you? And they're like, well, of course I am why wouldn't I be in? Cause I'm competing. I am competing again. And sure an argument can be made that you are actually competing for that job. But what I also tell them is, look, if you are constantly looking at the other person, comparing yourself to them, you, you may, um, find your excellence, right? You may dance excellently. You may perform in an excellent fashion, but you'll never find your inner genius. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's yeah. those people who, who work all the time, those people who are, um, as they say in the colloquial of our time, like, oh, they're just playing another game. I think of people like Wayne Gretzky or Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, those people who mm-hmm. have reached this pinnacle of, of, of in sp- the, the pinnacle of the sport or the pinnacle of anything that they're doing. Very often they will be referred to as playing another game. And that's because by and large, they've stopped competing with everybody else and they are actually competing with themselves or trying to be the best version of themselves. And I think that if we are comparing ourselves to other people, we are stealing ourselves of the opportunity to find that inner genius.
2: Hmm. And and whatever we're trying to do, we're doing it. We end up doing it for the wrong reasons to keep up with everybody rather than the initial reason we started is that it probably brings us joy or it's something we're passionate about. You know, right now I'm teaching myself to draw something you know I've always wanted to do. Um, And as I do it, you know, I'm looking at YouTube videos and I'm looking at this woman draw so effortlessly. And I just, I feel so frustrated at times. But what I've learned to come back to, and I'm so grateful that I'm doing it now in this stage of my life, is I know after everything that I've done, whether it was learning to surf or like learning to understand how horses communicate or be a therapist or a medium. I always find my own way and I have to appreciate that own way that it's mine and it won't look like anyone else's. I was even looking at this woman's hand position how she was drawing flowers. And I was like, but I don't hold my pen like that. So I have to find a way of creating these beautiful flower doodles, but holding the pen the way I hold it, not trying to, to match her movement.
1: Well, I, it, you know, you bring up kind of an interesting point for me and that is that maybe it's just for me, that when I find myself in competition with someone, it's like in, in my zeal to vanquish or to be better than, I cease to learn from them. Right. right? And everyone can be a, a mirror, a guru, a teacher on the road of life and in, in whatever area you are uh, operating in. But the moment I start, and I don't know if this is true for you, but the moment I start comparing myself and I want to win um, whatever that means, uh, do better than, uh, there is that, that part of me that I'm not particularly proud of. Um, I know that I stop allowing that person to teach me. And I think everyone has something that they can show you. And so, you know, this also plays into our ego Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and vanquishing the ego and, and, and pulling ego out allows us to stop, look at what that person is doing and go, huh? Let's take a look at how they got there. Maybe there's something I can actually learn from them. But if I'm not doing that, I'm not learning anything from them because I'm solely focused on the end result and not the journey to get there.
2: Well, that's such a good point. It's finding your own way of doing it, but also learning what you can from the person who knows how to do that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, just this woman's attitude as she's drawing is just, she's just in flow and she's like, easy peasy basically and using this just flowery language. And I'm listening to her and it's her energy about doing this thing. That's so at ease. And it reminds me to be at ease to reminds me to go with the flow. And that's what I want to learn from
1: her. Well, and I also feel like when we adopt that, that when we go into comparison, we go into, to, to, um, uh, competition, we go into a deficit perspective.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. And, and I'm, when I'm, when I'm coaching people through anything that they're trying to attain, right? Very quickly we get to, well, there's only one seat or there's only, you know, one, one person to, you know, um, I see it a lot when people are trying to date, right? There is this contracted sort of deficit perspective and you hear, well, there's no good men in New York and there's no good men in Charleston or good women in this particular part of the world. And it's like, that's not actually true that when we can adopt a, less contracted um uh, narrative around so many things we can f- we we, we f- and when we drift away from competition and come back to our intrinsic goodness right like what, when we come back to what we bring to the table in any given situation and we start taking account of um those things that are so great within us then we come from an abundance perspective
2: yes. right
1: and the abundance mm-hmm. the energy of abundance um i mean it's 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 so compelling and it's so uh attractive that i think and i don't want to be you know too Pollyannaish, but but the more i know for me the more i've i've uh moved away from competition um and trying to vanquish everybody else and moved into an abundance perspective and an allowance of like there is enough room there mm-hmm. is plenty of space there are there are actually enough of whatever it is that i'm trying to get um and i know people will argue with me on that but the closer I get to having the experience of that thing,
2: right. and everywhere where well, in-
1: I've adopted that, I've gotten very, very close, if not the thing.
2: You might have gotten a different version of that thing than you imagined. I mean, I think that's the beauty of um, what's possible is it may not look exactly what you thought you wanted, but usually what you end up getting is something more beautiful. And I think that gratitude and appreciation for your own gifts and your own process and for your teacher, um, leads us to a place of, and I totally lost where I was going, but I'm going to find it. (laughs) Well, not only does that abundance lead us to a place of sympathetic joy, which I think is so important, sympathetic joy for the other person. You know, this idea that when we see someone doing something amazing that we really respect and admire, rather than going to a deficit perspective, we feel joy for that person. What would that be like? What would it be yeah. like to be like, I'm so happy for them. Right. You know, and just knowing that there's enough. Oh, I know what I was going to say. The other thing that you and I live by most often this year, I feel like we've been tested in this idea. But most often we live in a world where rules don't apply. So when you're in competition and you're in a scarcity, um, oh yes, I like that. That's right. feelings of scarcity then there's a limited amount of what's available to you and there's a limited way of how to get it. And you and I have often said, we don't live by those rules of engagement, you know, just because someone says you have to do this to get a publisher, an agent, you know, mm-hmm. you always, you went rogue and found your own way. Mm-hmm. We've done that in most things in our life. Yeah. Yeah, I keep, yeah.
1: Because I think, it's so woven into the fine fabric of who we are and certainly of who I am to, to compete, okay. to see my deficit rather than my abundance. Right. I am constantly encouraging my clients. I'm like, you're looking, you're constantly looking at all the things you have not done. How often do you stop, look back and go, wow, look at the amazing things I have done. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is where gratitude practice comes in it can be such an amazing practice if you can do it. Um, because it does remind us often uh, if we do it enough, of all of the things we've done. So we, we come from that abundance perspective, and very often we can take it with us. And I'm constantly having to remind myself that there is enough. Yeah. Even in those places where we're taught places where we're taught there is not enough, there is mm-hmm. actually enough. And when we hold that as a truth, and it's a stupid example, but I remember when we first moved to Charleston and we had been invited to this like jazz on the green in this in this um local park, right? And mm-hmm. we hadn't been here very long. And so we we're getting the stroller ready and, you know, the blankets and the wine and the cheese and all the things. And I'm going, oh, come on, come on, come on. It's at six o'clock. We've got to get there if we're going to get a spot. And yeah,
2: coming from that, New York City.
1: Yeah. Well, I had, right. Again, you're, you're telling the end of the story for. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so as I was going to say, we had come from New York City, where there is often a deficit of, seats at any one thing I mean places on the lawn at the jazz fest in the park right you, there is there is often a a, a, uh, a a feeling of lack there because there's so many people in so little space. but even in that place I worked it out where I could create a sense of abundance within me that manifested itself in my life and that started with not competing with every other New Yorker for every other thing. And right. so when we got to the when we got to the park in Charleston, it was, just, it was like the gates of Shangri La had opened up, and I was like, "Of course, come. There's plenty of space for everyone." And, <laughs> and that was like one of those life moments where I felt like life was showing me, like, "Slow down, take a breath. Not everything needs to be a race. Not everything needs to be a competition. You have to compete for, for space on the lawn next to this family. There's going to mm-hmm. be plenty if you open yourself, open to, if you open yourself up to the possibility that there is enough."
2: Right. It's a a complete it's a game changer. It's a different mindset, you know, and and when you're in comparison competition, you're you're operating from a deficit right out of the gate rather than um, a place of sympathetic joy, appreciation, gratitude. And what you said about reflection of where you've been, something else I learned this year, I had to say when I was being hard on myself, wait a minute, look at where you've come from, you know, look at what. You know, look at the reasons you weren't on social media, which were a lot of trauma-based reasons. Right. And look at the fact that you're courageous enough to put yourself out there now, that fear is not controlling this experience. Um, and then look at the things you have created in this time. And when I would do that, it was like I could take a breath and I could come back to the present moment and, you know, my ego would fall away and I would come back to a space of love with inside myself. And it's just a spaciousness of there is enough and I am enough. Yeah.
1: And I almost forgot this story. I, you know, I'm, and I'm always with the stories, but uh, I like telling stories. So you're this one, you're, when
2: you're not interrupted,
1: Well, yeah, when people don't tell the end of the story. <laughs> um, so I'm in grad school and it's towards the end of grad school. And we had a substitute professor in, it was a very small class. And I think they were looking for something to do and somebody to talk about. So this particular professor had us go around the room, they went around the room and everyone had to say once, cause we're getting close to licensure, once you're licensed, what are you gonna do with your license? And everyone kind of followed the company line and was like, well, I'm gonna go work in a, in a, um, in a you know, drug rehabilitation center or, you know, whatever it was, it was, no one was saying what they were actually gonna try to do, which is go into private practice. But when it came time for me, of course, you know, being the fart in the elevator that I tend to be, I said, I'm going to start a small private practice in the East Village. I'm going to have a sliding scale fee where I can see people who can pay my top fee. And I can also see people who can't afford uh, this echelon of therapy. And I sort of went into what I was going to do to build this practice out and how many clients I wanted to see. And I was kind of dreaming it up and I was getting kind of excited. And this person then turned to me and said, really, is that what you're going to do? He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take the zip code that you live in in New York city or wherever your office is going to be. He's like, I want you to go to psychology today and I want you to punch that in. And I want you to see how many therapists there are in your zip code and then tell me about your private practice. And I was like, yeah, exactly.
2: The reaction of my body to this story mother, is just, it was, contracts you.
1: <laughs> I was, I was but, but at the same time I went and did it. Like an idiot. I went and did it. I want to do that.
2: Thousands of people at the time we started our practice in the East Village, oh thousands, of thousands of therapists. We're not joking, thousands. Yes. Like around yes. the corner, down the street, yes. in the yes. building yes. next door.
1: be truthful.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: New Yorkers have therapists like most people have winter coats, right? You've got at least one. Yeah. And um, so I started to sweat. Like I started to sweat profusely. Like I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Right. I've gotten us in this debt. I've spent all this time, all this energy, all this money. And there's a very good chance based on this schmo's, you know, challenge to me that this isn't going to work. Right. And then I took a breath. I stepped back. I was like, okay, this is his narrative. This is his story, right? He's, he's doing what he's doing because perhaps his private practice didn't work for him. Right. And I can't adopt that narrative. And so I did this thing I was like I'm just going to lean back I lean back into my goodness right that's, that's the way I described it when I talk about it to my clients this it's experience right that I I leaned back into what I knew about myself as a clinician and the mm-hmm. thing that I, the goodness that I wanted to create in the world which was full of abundance and was not full of his contracted nature at all
2: no
1: right and I went forth from that space of abundance and of not competing what was not going to I'm not competing with this person because I thought to myself listen if you and I are selling ball bearings on the same strip mall, right? We'd be selling the same exact ball bearings, but we're selling them a very, very different fashion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And as silly, as stupid as that example is, it's like f- creating a therapy practice or creating anything in your life. If you're not looking to your left and looking to your right, comparing yourself to the other guy and and really stepping into what it is that makes you special, there is no competition. No. There is no, no. comparing. And I so I thought to say-
2: myself, Oops,
1: sorry, yeah. And I thought to myself, so yes, I am a licensed therapist, and there's thousands of them quite literally in this square block or in this square mile radius, but we are not doing the same thing. And it was from that space I'm convinced to this day, it's why my practice, and quite frankly, yours, has always thrived. And we've never had a problem with with having enough clients. It's because we've always bought into our abundance and we've never competed with another with other
2: therapists. And I had the completely different experience with my supervisor and teacher. He said, "Don't even look at the amount of therapists in your area. Just focus on creating your practice." And I remember thinking, "That's what I'm going to do." And and it's true when you when you think about who you, we are as individuals, we are offering something completely different. And something yeah. I wanted to share, you know, because I like to bring the spiritual piece in, and because I'm a medium. Uh-huh. Um, I was channeling the other day with my group, you know, and when you channel, I'm in an altered state receiving information from like the collective higher love energy, which you can call spirit, God, universe. I call it spirit. And a message came through that was so beautiful. It was like, imagine that each of you is part of a choir and each of you have your part to play. And you know, in a choir, you have the soprano, the alto, the second soprano. I don't, I was in a female choir, so I don't remember all the male parts and all the other person's parts. But I remember I was an alto. And so I had, what'd you say?
1: I said, points made. We got it. We know where you're going. Yep. Following along.
2: (laughs) So I was an alto, um, and which is a very hard part to sing in a choir because I was one of the only altos. So you're singing the lowest version, you know, while the sopranos are singing the fun, high, bouncy versions of the song, as I see it. But I remember when I was hearing this message, you know, that I was the unique individual expression of that alto in that choir. And as we are a group, if you think of the collective, I do believe we all come in to this world with a unique purpose, whatever that is. it's, It's some way of service, you know, whether it could be a teacher, a healer, a therapist, it could be someone who cooks food, it could be someone who grows food, it doesn't matter. The point being is that when we're trying to step out of that unique purpose and be something other than we're not, we're not playing that role that harmonizes with the collective. And so the message was, is that playing your role and being in integrity and in alignment with your soul, living through that purpose, you learn to harmonize with the collective to create this beautiful experience. And so as an alto, I couldn't compare myself to a second soprano because I can't sing second soprano very well. Right. but I had to appreciate my Alto version. And so what I'm saying is I've really learning to appreciate like we did when we were building our practice, what it is we have to offer.
1: Hmm. That That's special. Something that you have to offer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yet as you're saying that it makes me think to, to myself, like we get further and further away from our soul's purpose, the more we compare and, and try and, uh, um, You know vanquish the other i think that that look i'm not saying you can't have a spirited game of scrabble um Mm -hmm. but there is there is something to the idea that in order for there to be a victor there must be the vanquished and that if we are comparing ourselves too much then as you're saying in this particular example i think it's like it does take us further and further away from our soul's path and that's a big deal you think about it like that um that we are here on a unique journey trying to put our unique thumbprint on whatever it is that we're doing. And it's important to make sure that we not only find our excellence in that, and maybe, 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 um, competition takes us a little ways there, but our, our, again, our inner genius only comes through dropping into ourselves and figuring out what our unique purpose is and coming from that abundant place. Mm -hmm. And so in keeping with, um, how we tend to end our, our, uh, Uh, Podcasts of the practice of love. How how do the practices dovetail into this? What are your thoughts?
2: Mindfulness for sure. It's being aware of when you've slipped into suffering or slipped in listening to the ego, comparing. You know, competition. Like you said, it could be a great motivator, but when it slipped in, wishing like ill will or that person wishing they weren't doing as well or being angry at them, or even. Mm gutting yourself because you're not good enough, you know, mindfully watching, like, can you be in a space of noticing without Mm -hmm. going too far into suffering? So mindfulness brings us back to, okay, I'm a unique individual, an expression. How do I want to use what I have? How do I want to be on my path at what pace do I want to move on? Mindfulness keeps us in alignment.
1: That's right. I I think parts, like looking Mm -hmm. at what part of us shows up, right? And is it a part of us is, um, like our inner critic uh, mm-hmm. that criticizes others and maybe criticizes ourselves. If we show up in a part of us that feels not enough, um, right. that, that can be a, a, a really important thing to look at and to try and find our most authentic um, side of self, the side of us that can that can see our, our gifts and look at our abundance and not come from that contracted side of things. Um, but mm-hmm. also looking at the narrative, like what's the story you're telling about yourself? Are you telling a story of less than I'm not enough? I can't do that. If I bought into that professor's narrative about being a therapist, I probably, maybe I'd be teaching someplace. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It just wasn't my dream and it obviously wasn't his, but I almost adopted his narrative and said, so your point to mindfulness, being aware of the part of us that shows up to whatever it is that we're trying to do trying to create, trying to attain, is that a part that's judgy and what's the story we're telling about ourselves in that, in that space?
2: And then, you know, one of my favorites, especially lately is personal responsibility, which you talk a lot in the book, you know, it's the fifth practice is that I am responsible for how I'm showing up to what it is I want to do. I'm responsible for how I'm talking to myself. I'm responsible for how what I put out into the world when I see others doing well. I'm responsible for keeping myself in alignment and on track. Um, I'm responsible right. for how I express myself in those moments. Do I put out jealousy and other things into the world? Or do I, you know, not bypassing what you feel, but seeing if you can come to something different, I'm responsible for what I put out into the world and how I put it, put it out there.
1: Yes. And your ego, Respond- personally responsible for ego. like Responsible
2: like, for keeping an eye on my yeah. ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Acting through fear or love.
1: Well, I think we're about at time. Anything else you want to say? Anything you want to plug before we go?
2: Um, You can also find me on the Blue Butterfly Effect podcast with Millie Murillo. And Mm -hmm. we are having an upcoming retreat with Danae and Vanessa. Um, It will be um, announced, I believe, um, in the middle of this month in January. And the retreat's in Costa Rica. What'd you say?
1: Danae Long and Vanessa Bennett. Logan. Logan, no.
2: Danae
1: Logan and Vanessa Bennett. Yes. Right. Oh,
2: okay. Sorry. And what about you?
1: Uh, so I am going to be at a, um, retreat in Portugal in May, and you can find that, uh, you can find a link to that in my, in my link tree, uh, on my Instagram at uh, Lair layer holistic therapist. And you can also pick up the book, the practice of love uh, which, you know, is ostensibly a book about couples and relationship, but really these practices are, as we're finding out, really applicable to all areas of life. And that book is available uh, anywhere finer books are
0: sold.
2: Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks for the chat. See you later. Thank you.
0: Bye. I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, please share your story. It's going to help other people nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories so just send me the audio of your story and you can just record it directly from your phone and email it to the therapist at gmail.com also if you want our single on purpose newsletter go to singleonpurpose.life that's singleonpurpose.life you will get tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, Zoom links to private gathers. So if you want to join our community, go to singleonpurpose.life. Thank you for listening. Be well. We hope you tell a friend. Hey, before you go, I want to invite you to the Single On Purpose private community online. It's off of social media, no ads, no algorithms. We got forums, we got live groups, we got webinars, and we have social hangs. We also have offline in-person hangs happening soon. So check us out. Go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. And I will see you inside.